Well, it seemed like he was saying that um, karma bija or karmic seeds um, can be eliminated in some cases by transfer of merit, sending love and light, or metta bhavana. Metta means loving kindness, like Brahma Vahara. The first is metta. Uh, love, loving kindness based transfer of merit to the person affected by our wrong speech or wrong action in a past life that created a karmic seed by successfully, effectively transmitting, transferring merit from me to the one I harmed by wrong speech, wrong action. That can get rid of my karmic seeds in some cases, it seems he said. But if that other cannot receive them because they're not in a state of mind um, of freedom from basically greed, uh, anger, or strong ignorance. If they're not free of those um, three poisons, uh, if not free of a strong manifestation of those three poisons, then they can't, they're not going to be in a receptive state of mind to our transfer of merit or to our sending of love and seeking to transfer merit. Therefore, our seeds can't go away if they're not going to receive. But that doesn't mean that we're bound from achievement by that. Yeah, it's it's. First of all, I don't fully understand the the metaphysics of it, so I can only tell you as much as it seems to me. Absolutely, um, speech and action with others that is um, that is associated with um, uh, wrong speech, wrong action, or um, karmic you know formation of of karmic liability. Um, some kind of distortion in speech action that is some degree of harmfulness or not virtue establishes a metaphysical connection. Uh, the strength of that connection is, you know, quite variable and changes over time. Um, and um, to some degree, what seems to be said here is that uh, further. Um, <clears throat> Um, further spiritual activity um, of a positive nature like transfer of merit to that other person because there still is a resonance between that person and the karmic seed we've established by our wrong action speech with them. Because of the resonance between the the acquiring of a karmic seed, I mean, again, this is all just, just a way of talking about it. The, the A karmic seed is acquired that karmic seed has a metaphysical resonance to the other person still. Uh, further benevolent action, such as uh, transfer of merit particularly, to that other person, uh, when received, will indeed um, change or reduce or get rid of possibly, I guess, our karmic seed that's in that was formed by our activity with them. So, yes. Now, does that mean that uh, every single person that we had any, every single kind of non-virtuous interaction with for the entirety of all of our incarnations were tied to them all? Well, maybe. <laughs> but how strong is the tie? Just because I imagine something doesn't mean it, it appears in some alternate dimension. But if I spend lots and lots and lots of time on it, it might appear in an alternate dimension. Um, 
what if I'm not sure helping others receive merit by what does what um yes you can say that 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 I mean the linkage between I mean Ra talked about karma uh, forgiveness as a break on the wheel of karma karma mm. uh, as entropy uh, I'm sorry as inertia and inertia as the tendency of objects in motion or at a, the the tendency of of phenomena in a certain state to remain in that state which could mean a karmic accumulation to remain as is accumulated um, versus dissolving or diminishing you know karmic seeds or something like that so forgiveness as a break on inertia for forgiveness as a break b r a k e on karma is a uh, a change state against continued inertia or a change of state versus continuance of the state which includes the state of karma and so um, to the extent that we forgive others to the extent that they receive our forgiveness whether it's verbally or simply metaphysically right I forgive this I forgive my uh, dead relatives for harming me that's okay because they're not dead <laughs> they're just not in this dimension and so the thought of uh, a true uh, mm, true deep mind uh, forgiveness you know authentic true deep forgiveness of somebody even if they're not alive touches them metaphysically I would think and may help them however it does depend on their state of mind as to how receptive they are to it as to how it might help them with their karma or their moving out of a, a continuance of their uh, distorted state of mind yes absolutely of course I mean hurting a loved one hurting strongly hurting or harming a, a loved one has different effects than strongly harming a stranger strongly harming an ant has a different karmic effect or different changes in mind than strongly harming a cat or a dog well metaphysically parents are really important <laughs> that's yeah. the point and so harming parents uh, physically or verbally is really troublesome is really problematic I mean uh, I have a friend and I won't name him but who I said before when he was at the dinner table with his parents and he's in a, you know he's in his 30s 40s when we're talking here uh, commonly with his mother and brother I believe or sister say you know fuck you fuck you harsh at the table <laughs> that's like normal in their family that's really a problem uh, more than they realize they can say oh it's just the way we talk to each other yeah okay and it has um, more aver adverse karmic effects than saying I'm really angry at you mom or dad <clears throat> and they don't know it is mm -hmm. destructive to their state of mind more than they realize yeah absolutely I mean, I watch a lot of old movies and new movies, and um, <clears throat> I, I can see, as you see, um, old movies, TV shows, um, people would never talk to each other the way they talk in modern movies, which is really quite harsh speech all the time. I mean, there's harsh speech. It's considered funny, you know? Punching somebody or hurting somebody physically is considered funny. It's not funny, actually. And, and it's very crude, it's very degenerative to mental conditions or mental state. It's very 
uh, harmful to an understanding of morality, virtue, ethics, which is the basis of the path. And so uh, it normalizes uh, wrong speech. Yeah, well, um, people don't realize the environmental changes that come by normalized um, wrong speech, wrong action, behavior, um, socially normalized um, harmful activity. They don't realize, as you're sort of suggesting, the environmental changes. One is no longer living in a um, respectful society. Um, One is returning to uh, a savagery. And that's absolutely what the New World Order Illuminati folks want society to become. Um, Dog eat dog, uh, might makes right, and um, crude and rough and rude, and um, without any of the the moral or ethical qualities of um, uh, of right restraint. (laughs) Right restraint. It's not a. It's not one of the eightfold path, but we can understand it related to right speech, right action, right view, right? All of our studying about theory is right view that hopefully, um, uh, ideally, (laughs) ought to be uh, translated into a deeper understanding and practice of right speech, right action, Um, and that affects the environment. And so that's that's the real indictment of the uh, just do it, um, I, me, my, uh, self, um, selfie-based um, narcissism being pushed uh, culturally as uh, part of this, you know, New World Order cultural re-engineering, which is um, an elevation over, um, an elevation of, of free will above an understanding of the consequences of wrong action. <laughs> you know, uh, free will, the the simp- you know, just do it, or um, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. That lie um, becoming uh, normalized or um, taught widely represents um, a revaluate a, a deep a deep revaluation in which. Uh, <clears throat> freedom of, of doing uh, self-willed activity or free choice, free will to do whatever you want, which is a fine thing, um, is raised above an understanding of the consequences of moral activity. It's um, free will in the service of um, collective demoralization. Demoralization doesn't only mean I feel discouraged, it also means society or individuals without morality. Without morality means without any understanding of right and wrong action, or right and wrong activity, which can really simply be framed as, you know, skillful, unskillful, which is simply based on the consequences of such activity, you know, morality, based in um, a realistic understanding of consequence. You know, it's right, or skillful, or good, because the consequences are helpful and supportive. And it's wrong, or bad, or unskillful, because the consequences are weakening to me, to mind and body. 
they will hurt me in the future. So it's good to do whatever you like, but if you don't know that there are going to be uh, long-term consequences and you don't have some sense of what the consequence is going to be, and the clear distinction, discernment, that indeed um, some activity will harm me and some activity will help me, uh, aside from you and help you or hurt you, if one doesn't have that understanding, uh, discernment of consequences um, of activity, speech and behavior particularly, then one thinks that the highest value, like, you know, the the, uh, the whole of the law, the, 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 the distortion and mistake of uh, Crowley's dictum that do what thou will is the whole of the law, is that it's not the whole of the law. <laughs> There's another law called karma, and that's called consequentiality. And it needs to be discerned in terms of what helps and what harms. And so you can um, talk to your parents and curse them out, and you're doing what you will, and yet that's not the whole of the law, because there are going to be consequences. <laughs> there is karmic consequentiality, and that means long-term effects coming back at me based on my activity. And nobody really knows that or cares about that, except for people who are thinking about morality, which could be Christian, it could be of any religion, but it's deep in the heart of um, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, Buddhism with Shila, and Hinduism with, you know, Yama Niyama, or um, the ways, what, what is good to do and what's good to avoid. And Buddhism has its own understanding of Shila, obviously, as a fundamental, fundamental basis of, of any uh, of the spiritual path. And, um, yes, so um, society is getting very, very distorted and um, <clears throat> re in which basically um, freedom of action is valued higher than comprehension uh, of the consequences of free action. And humanity has always been distorted in that way, meaning people act freely and don't think about, you know, they, they, leap, they leap before they look. They speak before they think. They, you know, think before you speak or look before you leap or consider consequences before you act. Um, that's a difficult teaching. And that leads to some restraint, wise restraint. And many people don't want that. So they think unrestraint, non-restraint is the whole of the law. <laughs> free-wheeling, free-wheeling, free-willing, non-restraint inactivity is the whole of the law. They're going to go to hell <laughs> if they go into wrong speech, wrong actions, strongly. And wrong thought, too. So... Okay, you want to act like a dog, you want to, you know, put a tail in your ass or something and uh, walk around. I mean, there are people doing this. Yeah, the uh, anonymity of the online, you know, cyberspace uh, <clears throat> leads, lets some people freely express um, harmful speech. Um, feeling, you know, I mean, it's good that they can <laughs> get it out, I guess. Uh, the problem is that they're actually going to hurt them. They're hurting themselves by setting up um, karmic seeds uh, that will ripen in the future in various ways. And particularly, I think, um, <clears throat> I mean, what the only final point I make is that when you curse out your parents, 
And when you curse out loved ones, you are degenerating your own mind. You are fragmenting your long-term mental condition, whether you know it or not. It doesn't matter that you don't know it. It would be good if you did, but if you don't, it still works. Ignorance of the law doesn't cancel the law. It simply um, leads one to self-harming, generally, and or supports self-harming because people don't know consequentiality. Uh, but the people who... Um, I mean, I see this too. I, I used to curse more, and I'm a little more careful with it. Um, and, and, you know, there's an interview with London Paul on Rogue Money, and he even addresses that little bit, talking about how angry he is at the uh, U.S. bombing Syria. And um, restrained, you know, kind of expressed his self-restraint in the interview to not get into cursing and, and getting into uh, expletives and that type of speech. Because he basically said it doesn't really capture the meaning very well, which is a very sophisticated intellectual criticism, critique of cursing, and mm, expression of significance. But it does get out the feeling. Um, the question again, you know, and again, it's back to um, non-restraint versus restraint as it supports uh, release versus uh, further attachment. Sometimes non-restraint cursing somewhat, um, non-restraint as an example of cursing, is associated with release, not further attachment. And in other cases, non-restraint uh, strengthens attachment. And in some cases, restraint weakens attachment. And in other cases, restraint, strength, restraint strengthens attachment. You see? It's very subtle. Yeah, well, there was a time when I caught myself uh, pointing with my index finger, making a point, pointing at someone's face, pointing at people's faces in conversation, making a point with my finger, point, my index fingers, point, end of the finger, and then realizing that that's aggressive, <laughs> that's violent, making a point, pointing in their face, even if I'm not, you know, so close, even if I'm three feet away or ten feet away, pointing at somebody's face, making a point, I trained, my, I trained myself not to point to their face. I point my, my finger away from their face, making a point. Because there is some transmission of energy out of the finger at someone's head, and that's called violence. Oh yeah, same thing with staring. You can, uh, you can aggressively stare, or be careful not to. One can make very intense points and stare in a hateful way, not knowing one's feeling some hate and aggression. Even if it's not even hate at the person, I hate the matter that they are not understanding that I'm trying to clarify, and <clears throat> I'm making my point staring at them, or eye to eye, making eye contact, but it's not just making eye contact, it's making eye contact, expressing anger, that actually has some bearing, uh, some, some resonance with aggression to that person that I'm looking in the eyes of. And therefore, being careful um, in, in the making of eye contact at the quality of mind expressed in the quality or the nature of the speech to make sure that it's harmless. How about that? Yes, and sometimes it's actually beneficial to call somebody a fool. 
and amp them up. Gautama called people, you know, he, he talked about the guy, the monk. I, we, we just talked about this before. The monk who had sex with his wife because his mother-in-law wanted a baby. And that was, I don't know where this was, but this was the first prohibition against sexual misconduct or sexuality, I think, even in the Sangha. There wasn't even a rule against it because no monk wanted to do it. No, 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 no. <laughs> he had sex with his wife after he was a monk at his mother-in-law's urging because she wanted a, an heir, a grandson, a grandchild. And Gautama called him, you something like, you, you worthless man, worthless man. <laughs> That's, if, Gautama, if Gautama calls you a worthless man, you're in trouble. And, you know, if you, if you arouse the ire, the, the anger of a very highly evolved being, you really fucked up. And you really made a mistake. You really did wrong action. And why would he do that? Now, <clears throat> he's partly doing that as a lesson to everybody else who didn't want his ire, uh, that that really is wrong action. Uh, and <clears throat> it's also possible if you really want to hurt somebody <laughs> to amp them up, <laughs> but that's probably wrong action or wrong speech. Yes, hang themselves with their own anger. Absolutely. Yeah, and there are certain people that um, I would say right action dictates non-response. You know, they say something and you say nothing. No response. Silence. Moving away. Nothing. They get nothing. You get nothing from me. Because your intentions are so distorted, or one can perceive that the, the intensity, degree of distortion of the other person so much, um, <clears throat> that... Um, silence is um, right right action so anyway thank you again and um, as always our talk is interesting and pretty useful for those who are thinking deeply about process take good care of yourselves see you next time and good night <laughs>